Well, Ulysses, the Tampa Bay Rays go to Fenway Park and score eight runs and get a W. That's always nice. It is. So let's talk about who were the main characters, what they did right, and maybe a couple of things that could have gone a little bit better. You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sombrano. And we're the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Rays your very first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Rays is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. As we mentioned, the Tampa Bay Rays down the Boston Red Sox by a score of eight to four last night. It was certainly nice to see Tampa rack up 11 hits, six walks go five for 14 with runners in scoring position. A lot of offensive contributors, obviously in that game with Wander Franco scoring three runs and drawing three walks, Kevin Kiermaier having four RBIs, three hits by Yandi, multi-hit games from Rene Pinto and Paredes. Pretty solid stuff when you look at it that way. Yeah. And, and I love the way that it, started you know right in the first inning you get right to Pavetta's face and, and you keep going uh Yandi contributing right after you know and then Ramirez I like that by the way let's talk about that lineup construction I love the fact of putting Yandi first Harold Ramirez second and then Wander third I always like the Wander second you know you get more at bats in the analytical world your best hitter should be uh in the number two hole you can see it with Aaron Judge with the Yankees you can see it with Mike Trout with the Angels but I do like having some traffic on the bases before Wander comes up because you, you can see how that will lengthen the, the lineup. Pitchers are not going to want to face Wander with men on base. So if there's already traffic, that can give him some, some, a, a nervous pitcher, a, a guy who's kind of nibbling, and we know Wander Franco will take his walks because that's exactly what he did last night. And then he just keeps the line moving. And then number four, number five hitters can actually cash in. So I like the lineup construction there with, with Wander being third. But yeah, the, the whole lineup was contributing up and down, but especially that top part, it's, it's really nice. The main cast of characters, they're, they're, they're heating up in the last 33 games. I mean, Eros Arena, uh, Choi, Diaz, Ramirez, Paredes, like that's, that's the main characters. Now you add Franco in it. All those guys have either 117 WRC plus or more in the last 33 games. So that's your offense right now. You add Franco in it. That's good news. The bad news is that, you know, Vidal Bruhan, Brett Phillips, they're not really pulling their weight. Taylor Walls are not really pulling their weight. So that's why you're seeing kind of an unstable offense right now. Yeah. It is so nice to have Wander back in the fold. I mean, since he's gotten back really this entire month of July, his on-base percentage is hovering around 400. And I know the knock on him has been the inability to draw the walk. Well, maybe he's fostering that ability more so uh, as he gets a little bit older and more experienced. And it just makes it so much easier for Kevin Cash and everybody else when Wander is in the lineup. Um one thing that did not go well 
for the Rays was uh, they added to their ounce on the base pass total. They're now at 40, 40 outs on the bases this season, nine more than any other team. By the way, this does not count caught ceilings, pickoffs, or forced plays. Yeah, and and you see how that's a double-edged sword, the the base running aggr- um, aggressiveness. We saw the the positive with Arozarena going from mm-hmm. second to home, and he, he gets to score, and we're all happy, like, man, look at the wheels. Like, that's awesome. And then you also get the... <laughs> The, the caught stealings and you also get the the stretching a, a single into a double and you, you get out it's it's still happening yeah and so I said like I think two weeks three weeks ago I don't know if this is going to be a DNA of this team uh, or or a fad the base running I think unfortunately we have to look ourselves in the mirror all of race fandom and say we're gonna have to deal with this. This is apparently this is just the way this team is going to be running this whole year. They don't yeah. care. They're going to go for it. And so uh, that's what ha- that apparently that's what's going to be the DNA. It's part of their DNA. It's to run amok. And if it's if it works out great, if it doesn't great. Now, the one thing I want to I would like to know is if this is a front office um, initiative that they're saying green light, go whenever, or is this more of a laissez-faire attitude by Kevin Cash and the front office saying, if you guys feel like you want to run, run, you have the green light whenever you only, only care about when we give you the red light. And then that's just the players doing their thing. I I would like to know that, but I don't think we're going to get that answer. Probably not. And I think it's a combination of multiple things. I think there's definitely some nuance involved. Again, there's going to be good things that happen out of aggressiveness. Like you mentioned, Randy's scoring on a slow infield roller from second with two outs. That gives the Rays a 6-2 lead there. But I think not to put blame on any one person or any one thing, but you have a new first base coach. You have a lot of young players just getting called a lot of young athletic players who may overvalue their ability to run the bases and may undervalue or not understand yet the speed in the game and how good the opposing opposition is at the big league level compared to, you know, things that they're doing right now, they might be able to get away with in single a double a triple a, uh, the game just moves so much faster as well. And you, think that you can get back and maybe you can't you think that you can steal and maybe you can't and um yeah i would love to see the numbers on yeah they've got the the 40 outs on the base pass but how many runs have they generated or contributed because of their aggressiveness and again it's sort of a byproduct of you have a lot of injuries you've you're you're forced to play young guys it's not like hey all right, we got uh, a guy on. Let's wait for a homer. You got to sort of try to manufacture and make something happen. I think that's what the Rays. That's sort of what their theory is as of right now. Um, but we'll see if it improves going forward. Uh, the other thing from this game that was interesting or caught my eye was: uh, Did you make anything of the up and in throw from Nick Pavetta to Yandy Diaz that made Yandy perturbed? A little bit. This was after Yandi had two doubles, and Pavetta is uh, known as an emotional guy on the mound, and he was involved in a similar instance 
uh, in his last series against the Blue Jays. I think he was the guy that hit Alejandro Kirk that cleared the bases. It seems like we've had a lot of uh, or, or cleared the benches. It seems like we've had a lot of benches clearing this year throughout baseball. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah. Burn, I guess, but uh, the Pavetta Diaz spat, if you will. Um, before that, I would like to say Kevin Kiermaier is not a young guy, and he also got caught in between second and third, you know, with a little infield yeah. pop up. So that's why I'm saying I think it's a DNA issue with this whole team. Everybody's just running, probably not as they should. That that's what I mean by DNA. I think it's like permeated throughout the clubhouse. It's not just like a selective uh, amount of guys. Like we've seen every guy make those types of mistakes. But uh, going to the Diaz uh, Pavetta thing, honestly, I think it's a mind game. I think those guys that are heated and say, you know, I mean, we all know the curse words that Pavetta was saying at. Um, if somebody in the parking lot is upset because they didn't have they didn't order the milk that they needed to and they're putting the cart back and I'm staring at them and I'm putting my cart back and they're just saying obscenities at me. I might be like, are you talking to me? Yeah. Is that, is that towards me? So I don't think there's anything wrong with the ass asking like, all right, what's going on is, is, is that towards me? But I also think it's kind of a mind game uh, by Pavetta, not maybe in that instance, but like that's his attitude. So he knows that he can kind of rattle the batters. Right. He knows that he, he can get DS to now not think about his process in, 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 at the box, but now he's thinking, what did he say to me? How dare he say that stuff to me? Like, I think that's just a mind game that some pitchers utilize and it gets covered into this. Oh, they're just an emotional pitcher, but I think it has a little bit more of, I'm going to get into your mind. And I think Pivet actually yeah. got, got what he wanted from that. It, it definitely couldn't be a gamesmanship sort of a deal. And this isn't the first time that Yandi has been involved in an instance like this. Remember the 2020 playoffs, Framber Valdez. Yeah, in him, it was a little bit of a different scenario where Valdez threw a breaking ball on a three-two count, and I don't know if Yandi was hunting for fastball, and he was like, "Hey, throw me, throw me a fastball, throw it, you know, test me instead of walk me." So maybe there's something to be said there. It's funny because all that the whole Pavetta Yandi thing seemed for not and seemed like not anything at all after Jason Adam hit Christian Vasquez in the bottom of the ninth in the helmet, which again, I don't think that's, wasn't purposeful. You're it's pouring down rain, like pouring down rain. You already have a couple runners on. You're going to hit Vasquez, load the bases for Trevor story and try to give the Red Sox an opportunity to tie it up. Like, no, that's, that's not the situation there. So, uh, but that's part of what makes baseball fun. You, you want some emotion, you want some personality out there. That's part of the gig there. Uh, all right, we're going to move on much more to discuss, but first we have to tell you about blue Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from blue and locked on sports listeners. will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement as well. So use code locked on L O C K E D O N. Again, that's code locked on. Plus every order is insured ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what is inside. So shop stress free and find your forever piece today. Go to blue Nile.com something before we move on it's the fact that ryan thompson cleaned up his mess last year uh, last night and 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 that was very nice to see because he has not had a terrific not even a great uh or good uh, season but he has shown 
you know, semblances of what made him, you know, a, a good, reliable pitcher. I believe his one, two, three, four of his last outings have been scoreless. So we talk about who needs to step up, who wants to be, you know, a, a reliable bullpen arm. The last four outings, he's had him scoreless. Yesterday, he got into trouble, but got out of it. I mean, he was very emotional after getting that third out. So props to Ryan Thompson for for going out and, and doing his job. And he himself has said that he's pitched like crap. Yeah. So it's good to see him kind of bounce back. And hopefully he can he can have a little bit more outings like the last four where he keeps them scoreless. You know, if you want to go the Pete Fairbanks route and make us all have a heart attack while you're pitching, you know, I'd rather not have that happen. But as long as there's a goose egg at the end of your outing, everything's forgiven. Yeah, maybe uh, the little renaissance that he had of not having to go to Toronto because of the vaccine mandate maybe allowed him to reset and get his mind right a little bit. Rest of the arm. You never know. Uh, all right, um, moving on here. The Rays made, I don't know about an interesting move. Well, maybe it is an interesting move. They made a move, an offensive move, and I guess a defensive move, in claiming Yu Chang off waivers from the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is funny because usually it's the other way around. Usually it's a bad team, a terrible team, claiming a player off a good team with depth. But the Rays are claiming a player off a really bad team in the Pittsburgh Pirates in hopes of shoring themselves up. And yes, you can look at uh, Yu Chang's numbers so far this year. They're not very good, but if you spread across his entire career of, you know, 150 games or so over the last four seasons, they're okay numbers. They're better than Taylor Walls. They're better than Vidal Brujan. So in a sense, it is an upgrade offensively. And the Rays do have a history of having success with, I know he is just coming from the Pirates, but they've had success with former Indians right-handed batters. Harold Ramirez, for example, Jordan Luplo, for example. So I would not be surprised in the least if Yu Chang has a 30, 40, 50, 60 game stretch where he gives you an OPS of 720, 740. He gives you something, something offensively, more than 167 batting average with a 515 OPS, Taylor Walls, more than a 174 batting average with 470 OPS, Fidel Brujan. But we'll see. Hey, you got to, you got to try to, Make any move you can to try to shore up this team. Yeah, you got to add Yandy Diaz to that former uh, yeah, Guardian slash Indians team. So uh, yeah, they've had success. I like where you were, where you're going with that. Look, I, I think Yu Chang means three things. Number one, someone's hurt and they're going to go in the IL, and so they want to get you know a little bit of a veteran, quote unquote guy in the clubhouse and not bringing up yet another rookie yeah. because obviously the I think the first question that a lot of Rays fans got was when they heard this news of Yu Chang was why not Jonathan Aranda this guy has nothing else to do in, in AAA why are you bringing Yu Chang I think it's it's a stopgap move. I, I, I wish nothing but the utmost success to you, Chang, but it does feel a lot like a stopgap, like somebody's going to the IL or, you know, what does he do? He's a middle infielder. I think the race have plenty of middle infielders, so you're going to bring in yet another one. So that could also mean 
Is someone moving? Is someone packing their bags? Is there no room for a Taylor Walls, Jonathan Randa, Ruhan? So you bring a stopgap because you're going to trade one of those guys away and then move in with your rookie. There's a lot of things that I'd play here. I, I don't think Yu Chang is for, for long. I don't yeah. think I would see Yu Chang in the 2023 roster. Uh, I don't think Yu Chang is going to be a Ray in September, most likely. Uh, but you never know. I mean, maybe yeah. the guy just comes up and, and, and starts hitting uh, crazy. I mean, Matola can make some magic happen, and, and he can uncork him like he did uh, Harold Ramirez. Yeah, he could go Maybe. all Isak Paredes, for example. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think things. I mean, we've seen it literally this year, so we can't just say, "Oh, this guy just." That's why you know, social media is the worst because people with their takes, like, "Oh, this guy's just the worst. He's crap." Yeah. Like, have you seen him taking it back? Have you seen? Him? No, I, I can just see the numbers. Oh, but are you the same type of person that complains that the Rays only look at the numbers and yet you only look at the slash line of the guy hitting one something 163 I think he's hitting something I mean something yeah and he's only played like what like 18 games this year so it's not it's sample not really size. fair to him I mean over no. again it's the, the numbers aren't amazing by any means but over 149 games across four seasons 204 batting average 627 OPS 11 homers with 48 RBIs 11 homers and 48 RBIs in 149 games not terrible. I mean, it's it, it's something, and he gives you some defensive versatility. And, uh, yeah, like you say, it's a stopgap move. The Rays make stopgap moves all the time, especially the offensively, time. where a guy chips in for a couple weeks, couple months, and then they move on and move off of him. Or sometimes they may have hit gold. They obviously targeted – there's a million – not a million, but a million new Changs out there. You can claim a guy off waivers. There's something specific about his skill set and what he brings to the table that the Rays like enough to bring him in. And that means something to me anyway. Yeah, and honestly, I can't we can't just not talk about the fact that they have so many rookies. They have so many rookies yes. in this clubhouse and at some point it's, I must be cool and and all that but like you also need a little bit of you know, not gravitas, but like a little bit of veteranship. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and it's not like Yu Chang is, you know, a four-star general in that clubhouse as soon as he gets there. Not, but not by any means. I mean, like you said, he hasn't even played 162 full games, but he has been in the league since 2019. I think that gives him a little bit of, of, um, reconnaissance or, mm -hmm. or knowledge of, 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 you know, MLB playing at time. I, I just, that's the only thing. It has to be a stopgap. Somebody's either uh, uh, injured or something is happening with the middle infielders that are going to be traded, and you don't want to kind of put another rookie yet in another spot because you look at Walls, you look at Bruhan, you look at, you know, I know Brett Phillips is not a rookie, but just the offensive numbers by those three have oh, – actually, no. Let's add another rookie, Josh Lowe. Oh, yeah. The production of those three rookies, Lowe, Vidal, and, and Wallace, has not been kind to the team, the fandom, and themselves. So you might actually, instead of putting yet another guy, another chip of yours to play and maybe uh, not succeed, maybe you just claim a guy 
And then you don't really feel that emotional attachment as a fan base, as a front office, and you kind of get as much production as possible, and then you can move on from them. I mean, like you're yeah. saying, there's a lot of Yu Changs out there, and so I think this is just a stopgap move. I don't think that they've like found gold. I don't think this is the next Harold Ramirez. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully, but I think it's just a stopgap move. Heck, and Harold Ramirez, let's be honest, as well as he's doing, he technically may just be a stopgap for the race. He may not be around. There's different types of stopgaps, right? There's like the year stopgap. There's a two-week stopgap. Depending on on how he ends the year, yeah, he could be moved. But, (laughs) I mean, I really like what Harold Ramirez has been doing. And and so hopefully not. But, yeah, it's it's been really good to see. Yeah, it's interesting with Yu Chang and – I wish the best for him. Maybe the Rays really value and like his base running ability. Maybe he's like, maybe they look at his numbers there and look <laughs> at what he brings to the table from that perspective. Like, well, at least he's not going to make gaffes on the base pass. So that's something working for you. I mean, he has to be somewhat athletic uh, in my presumption of being able to play first, second, third. Moreover, he was coming up as a prospect as a shortstop. That's what he was projected to be an everyday shortstop. And, Again, not to cast dispersions on Yu Cheng, but this goes back to our point of why you can't get obsessed over prospects, over really any prospect, not named a select few of like Juan or Franco. I mean, Yu Cheng was in 2019 the Indians' number three prospect in their organization. He was basically a top 100 prospect. He was ranked ahead of Shane Boz, Alex Verdugo, Jordan Alvarez, Ryan Mountcastle. So don't just be a. Uh, a rankings ruler and say, Oh, this guy's ranked ahead of here. Oh, he's a top 100 prospect. That means he's going to have a 10, 12 year career and put up a 25 to 30 war. It just does not work like that whatsoever. Yeah. And sometimes it does not work well for you, but what can work well for you is betonline.net, which is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we have the rubber match tonight between Corey Kluber and Brian Bello, who is making or will be making his MLB debut. He's the Red Sox top pitching prospect, throws 98, 99 miles per hour, plus some good breaking stuff. And really, there's, from my understanding, nothing else for Bello to prove in AAA or AA. He's just been, he's sort of had that, Shane Boss mentality of, hey, throw any challenge at me and I'll accept it and do very well with it. So um, we'll see how the Rays adjust and handle a guy that they're, I guess, getting a look at for the first time at the major league level, at least. I guess what works in the Rays' favor is that they do have so many young players, so many rookie-level players, that maybe they have come across Brian Bellow a couple times in double-A, AA, triple-A, single-A, and so forth. So 
maybe it's more on Brian Bellow to be able to perform in front of the big stage bright lights and Fenway Park, but he's got an electric arm and uh, sometimes doesn't matter if you're a rookie or it, it really doesn't matter. You can, the, the pitcher usually has the advantage here and it's not uh, the Rays offense of 2021. So I would not be surprised if the Rays, you know, put up not to be negative, but, you know, put up a, a three hitter and score zero runs. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm going the opposite way. I think the bright lights of Fenway, uh, that could get um, a young kid in, into trouble. We've seen it time and time again in the AL East when people make their debut uh, debut in, in, in Fenway. You know, it gets them, even if they're on the Red Sox side. Like, that's 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 a lot of baseball tradition and history right. staring at you and, and spitting at you. So um, let, let's, let's hope for the race. Um, uh, offense and and production uh that he does get rattled and i i hope that that the top of the lineup can be as stacked as possible i mean i'm talking usual names i'm talking arozarena franco Choi, ramirez paredes i mean i i don't care about this you don't have any mlb information with this guy. So I think the splits and all that has to go out of the window for this one game. I would put your best guys out there. And those are your best guys out there. Paredes, Ramirez, Diaz, Franco, Choi, Arozarena. Like make that top of the lineup as full of the guys that are actually producing in the last 33 games. Like I said, these are the names. These are the names. Use them. Put them all together. I like that Franco being behind Yandi and Harold. Again, love, love, love that. Harold can wake up and will and go one, one for three. That's just that's just the law of Harold Ramirez. Yandy Diaz literally has a 404 on base percentage. 40% of the time he's gonna get on base. I want that type of guy in front of Wander Franco, who by the way, himself has an eight-game hitting streak. So all of these things together with the the, the young pitcher, I feel like if Kevin Cash does just the easy thing, which is who who are my guys who are hot? Who are the, the guys that are producing? And putting them in the lineup all bunched up together. I don't care about 789. 789 can look like Shopak, Brignac, and Sean Rodriguez. Like it, it doesn't matter to yeah. me. Put Vidal, Walls, and, and, and Brett Phillips. It doesn't matter. But just if you can get the one through six punchy, I think you can get a, a young pitcher rattled and, and hopefully good things can come. Yeah, and you would think that Corey Kluber can bounce back from a poor outing against the blue Jays. And aside from that, he's been really, really consistent of late and really this entire season of eight, we'll give you five, six innings, two on runs or fewer. And yeah, three time all-star two time Cy Young, you would think he did have an advantage against uh, a rookie making his MLB debut, but we'll see with that. Uh, one question I do have, I don't know if it's prop bet, but just a hypothetical here. Um, we're nearing the all-star break, 11 games until the all-star break. The Rays are they at 44 and 37, 44 and 37 is their record right now. Uh, tied for third, I guess, in the AL East with the Toronto Blue Jays. Do the Rays get to 50 wins by the all-star break? They have 11 games until the break. They have tonight's game against the Red Sox. Three on the road against the lowly 
Reds, the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Reds, four at home against Boston again, and then three at home versus Baltimore. So they need to go six and five in those 11 games. Do you think they do that? I mean, if they want to keep pace with, unfortunately, an 88-win season, yeah, let's talk about that. 88-win, that's their pace. We're in the halfway point. They're in an 88-win pace. Yeah, you can freak out people. Um, Yeah, they better. They better. They better get to 50, 100%. I mean, those three games against Cincinnati and Baltimore, you got to take – I mean, out of those six, you have to take four. Yeah. At least four. It, again, I hate going. You have to sweep because many times that that blows up in your face. But you you have to win those series. Like there is no you can't lose against the Reds and then expect to go to the playoffs. You can't lose against the Baltimore Orioles again, yet again. Like let's win a series against the Orioles. Yeah. Like let's win one. They've lost two in a row against the Orioles back to back, and they had never done that since like 2017. So. Let's let's go let, let's go win that you know both of those series and then Boston is, is is a flip I mean even if you if if you split then you get two out of those four I think you know you'd like the three but that's okay then you get then you get to to fifty so yeah hopefully man hopefully I think they do it I think they get six and five and it's critical let's do it's a it critical juncture for sure yeah uh thank you for making the locked on race podcast your very first listen every day now make your second listen the locked on mlb prospects podcast that is also free and available on all platforms hope you all have a wonderful day stay safe and we will talk to you tomorrow